Can you believe it is already December the 7th? Can you believe it? Um, as I transition and we, we move towards the Bible um, and our study, did you guys want to hear a little bit about my week? It was kind of a fun week. You guys want to hear about it a little bit? All right. Um, so last week, I was invited by friends of ours in ministry um, <clears throat> at a church in Orange County, um, a predominantly Korean congregation called Sarang Community Church. And Sarang in Korean, um, I don't know if any of you know a little bit of Korean, uh, it means love. And Sarang Church is a mega, mega church, over 20,000 members. And my father has been um, involved in doing ministry with them, you know, for, for many, many, many years. And back in 2003 and 2004, my wife, Bumi, and I had the privilege of being um, speakers at various events that they held. But one of the great um, high points of their ministry is every year at the end of the year for two weeks straight, they have 4 a.m. prayer services where they really do expect the whole church, everybody from their church to attend. And so last week, their keynote speaker for this week's Monday and Tuesday morning service um, was not able to attend because his wife got uh, sick. And so he had to cancel. And at the last second, they thought, who do we, who do we call? And the Lord brought uh, Mission Ebenezer um, and the the... Canalis pastors to their, their hearts and minds, and so they contacted me and asked me to come and speak um, Monday and Tuesday at 4 a.m., and they sent a driver to pick me up both mornings. Um, it, was so, it was so awesome, and it was so encouraging to be there with, with brothers and sisters of the faith in just a different um, environment. I, I was encouraged, and uh, I believe the Lord used me to encourage them by, by bringing a word each morning. And um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, I was refreshed in the Lord. Um, I was also really, really tired after the second time speaking yesterday. And, but their pastors are there for two weeks straight. 4 a.m. prayer. Um, and I looked to one of the guys, Andy, and I said, bro, I don't know how you guys do this. He said, it's just part of our our." our our culture, our prayer culture, and sacrifice and commitment, and these types of things are um, very um, common. And I said, "Well, <clears throat> those two days really kicked my, you know what?" And uh, but it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time, and uh, and so praise the Lord for that. Uh, I just thought you might want to hear a little bit about that story. It's cool. And their, their church is right off the five in, um, in Brookhurst, right there in uh, like Anaheim, um, you know, uh, Buena Park area. And they treated me to Porto's Bakery and Cafe in, in Buena Park. It's brand new. It's like a state-of-the-art um, cafe. I, have anybody ever been to that one over there in Buena Park? It is amazing. It's amazing. And they, they bought me a uh, chorizo and egg bolillo. It was so good. All right. Enough of that. Merry Christmas, everyone. 
And welcome to our Wednesday night service where we're going to be studying the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. So if you could please turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Um, And the book of Isaiah is one of the larger prophetic books of the Old Testament. Okay, And when I call it prophetic, um, it's not maybe what you may think. I know there's kind of like a prophetic movement kind of um, moving you know, in the church today, this is not that. This prophetic book um, is a book that was written by one of God's prophets who was speaking um, and ministering to Judah, okay? And Isaiah's particular message was a message of warning. It was a message of warning, and his message, and the reason why Isaiah is referred to as one of two major prophets in the Old Testament is because, um, Brenda, right here, in the, yeah, we, have, we could turn the video, can we, Jojo, can we turn the video on in the, the mother's room? Guys, we converted our old video room right here into a mother's room, so ladies, if you ever have any small children, you need to go over there. No, no issues, no problem. And <clears throat> Isaiah, being one of the major prophets um, to Israel, is referred to as major because he wrote a lot. And there are 66 books in the, the book of Isaiah. Uh, Jeremiah is the other book. That's um, the and prophet that we refer to as a major prophet, whereas other minor prophets such as Micah, Amos, um, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi are referred to as minor prophets because they wrote uh, smaller books, and these books were were written um, based on their ministry and the message that was consistent that the Lord used them to bring. Okay, and we're thankful to Isaiah because he was obedient to the Lord. And how many of you guys know that if God calls you into obedience, we also have the responsibility to encourage others to obedience as well. And sometimes we as people, because we're flawed and imperfect, just like Isaiah was imperfect, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, Jesus. But sometimes there's a temptation when, because we are aware of our flaws or our shortcomings, that we stay quiet when it comes to God wanting to speak through us. Amen. Pay attention. We stay quiet because we go, who am I to say anything? Who am I to talk to that person when, look at my past. Who am I to give counsel to that couple over there when I've been divorced? Who am I, right? That's, that, that's kind of like a, a common theme for us as Christians. But I want to encourage us, you, with this and that God's not looking for perfection in order to use you or use me or to speak up or to speak out, or to 
to warn, to challenge, to bring others back into that fellowship, right, with God. Because if that was the case, then we would just let our kids do whatever they wanted, right? Oh, if, if they only knew the half of the things that I did. No, but our responsibility is to let them know because of where we've been and what we've done. And you still got a responsibility to let them know um, where the pitfall is, right? Where that snake is hiding up underneath that rock over there, right? We still have that great responsibility. And so thank the Lord for the prophets. Thank the Lord for men and women of God who, who understood their calling and understood um, and had a fear of the Lord. And that fear of the Lord and brings that understanding and, and gives them the authority and the power to still be able to speak and to minister power or mercy, forgiveness, grace, even to minister um, through exhortation, right? And um, even correction. And so we as the church have to make sure that we understand the, the prophetic message of those that God used. That the men that wrote the 66 books of the Bible were not perfect. But they were used of God. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's begin um, by turning to the scriptures in Isaiah chapter 7. When Ahaz, son of Jotham... The son of Uzziah was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. Okay, so Ahaz, you guys, was a young ruler. He started his reign at about the age of 20. He didn't, he didn't um, reign for very long, only about four years. Um when he <clears throat> led um, and, and sat on the throne of Judah. Um, he's about 11 generations from King Solomon. Okay? So Solomon being the son of David, and David being the second king of Israel, King Saul being the first. So we're, you know, we're about, what, 13 generations um, from King Saul or the, the beginning of the, the, the kings and their, their rule over these people called Israel. Verse 2. Now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. And say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. In other words, he said, don't lose heart because of these people. They're already toast. 
They already smoked. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin. Saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves. And make the son of Tabael king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. So let's pause for a moment. Whenever we are reading scripture, it's important that we understand what we're reading. Raise your hand. Let's be honest. How many of us sometimes get lost a little bit and forget what we're reading? Get lost a little bit. So we have to ask the right questions to the text. And then we have to try and understand, right, young Wesley, what we're reading and why. So there's key things right here. We have some different players that are involved here in this this particular Bible study in Isaiah 7, we got some kings. Um, we have the king of Judah who's sitting on the throne there in Jerusalem. And guess what? There's these other neighboring nations that want to come and take over Jerusalem. They want to come and sack it because Jerusalem was, was beautiful and it was a wonderfully, wonderfully situated uh, city that was lifted up on a hill. So it was really, really hard to attack because you could defend it well because you were, they were up high. And, and there, was, there was an ability to see if, if enemies or um, neighboring peoples were coming from afar. So the, and they were able to defend themselves against um, these neighboring enemies. Okay, so verse 3, what does it say right there in the, in the, the beginning of verse 3? Let's all read it together. Then the Lord said to Isaiah. So who's speaking? The Lord. Right? The Lord. The Lord is speaking to Isaiah. Here we are, some close to 2,700 years from whence this book was written. 700 years before Christ and 2,000 years since then, 2,700 years. Um, how many of us find it hard sometimes to know when God is the one who's speaking? Do we find that hard sometimes? Maybe others who have found some keys to listening to God are able to access the voice of God, access his signs, his wonders, his miracles, to be able to listen and, and understand and see what God is doing. And you want to know why? I love Pastor Koba's ministry. He's very consistent. Pastor Koba always reminds us of the importance of when we pray to do what? To listen. Listen for God. Listen to God, not just do all the talking. And, but making the time to listen to God and making the time to hear from God will make it easier for us to know when the Lord says. And we also have to be careful that we don't become the kind of person that tries to operate in the prophetic and we're 
faking or we're trying or we're wanting to communicate something. We mean, maybe we mean well and we say the Lord said, but we have to be very, very careful that we don't speak out of line, out of turn or on behalf of the Lord when in fact it is not the Lord. Because there was a man who walked up to a, a young lady that he had been seeing come and go from church. And after a service, he was filled with the Spirit. And he came to the woman and he said, the Lord told me to come and talk to you and invite you to dinner. And she says, well, let me go and ask my husband first. True story. And so we can easily get confused with our own desires, our own intentions. Um, and, and I would even hate to say that anybody would, would intentionally try to manipulate or use the Lord said or God says or, you know, use the Lord's name in vain in such a way. That's why we in Mission Ebenezer Family Church try to encourage folks to not lend their ear to every wind of doctrine or every online, you know, um, personality. Recently, there was a, an online personality that was telling people that if their church doesn't have these 10 things, they should consider finding a new church. And I said, well, what kind of person would confuse people and lead folks astray when they're coming up with their own top 10 lists? It's not of God. It's not of God. We don't need to go and find every wind of doctrine out there by people who are not even leading churches and ministries and have to care for the sheep like pastors do when folks are going around confused because they have lots of followers online. So I had lunch with a brother in church recently who told me the top 10 list. And I said, stop listening to that person. Stop listening to that person. Because what kind of person would want to divide churches and cause people to be confused and leave churches where they're being perfectly loved and cared for and taught and instructed and discipled and equipped and raised up. We have to be careful that we don't start chasing after the wind, wanting to connect ourselves with online personalities out there that sometimes don't have our best interests in mind. Amen, church? Amen. So when we talk about the prophets, we're going to remain to the prophets that were mentioned in the Bible. Okay? If somebody has a prophetic gift, it doesn't mean that they're a prophet. It means that they're operating under the gift of prophecy. Okay, that is what we teach. That is our sound doctrine and theology. 
We don't recognize modern-day apostles, although there are people who operate under the apostolic gift of equipping and sending. We believe that the apostles were those who walked with Jesus and were part of his original 12, and those were the apostles. Okay, so be careful. Be careful who you sit under. Okay, be careful. We don't want to be led astray. Well, the prophet Isaiah was used of God, and he was a prophet whose ministry was proven, whose ministry of warning was such that only in time do people, do we, the church, and are we able to test whether or not a word that somebody is given or delivers is of God. Only time will tell. Only time can be the true test of the fulfillment of a word, a prophetic word, or whatever the case may be. Okay? Are you tracking with me so far? Time will be the test. And Isaiah was one of those prophets that where time did test the words that God gave to him and instructed him to give. Then he said, the Lord said to Isaiah, go, go out, you and your son, to meet Ahaz. And who is Ahaz, you guys? He's the king. He's the king. And how many generations from King Solomon was he? 11, close, 13. 11 generations. Now, go up to verse 6. Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart, let us divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabael king over it. Yes, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Here we go. Once again, Isaiah, quoting directly from the word that he believed that God gave to him. It will not take place. Let me pause. What will not take place? The attack, right? Of King Rezin of Aram, right? In verse 1. And Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel, right? Marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. So here now, verse 7, is referring to that, that uh, threat and that attack. It will not take place. This is the word from God. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So, again, review. God gives a word to Isaiah. Isaiah brings the word to the king of Judah. And he says, this attack shall not prevail. Except you must stand firm in your faith. You must Stand firm in your faith. In other words, you have to stand firm in what you have been taught. Stand firm in what you believe. Stand firm in your faith in God. 
he says, if you do not stand firm, you will not stand at all. So you got the king of Judah. He's about to come under attack. And he's seeking the Lord. And he receives a word from the Lord, from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is telling him, if you do these things, you shall win. If you do these things, you shall be victorious. And the thing that Isaiah stresses the most is to do what first? Stand firm in your faith. Do not let go of your faith. Do not let go of your spiritual life. Do not stop praying. Do not stop believing God. Do not stop worshiping God. Do not stop praising God. Do not stop instructing your children in the ways of the Lord. Do not stop coming together as husband and wife, praying over one another, taking one another's burdens before the Lord. Do not stop caring for one another. Do not stop coming together in worship. Do not stop. But stand firm in your faith or you will not stand at all. You guys, how can, if you belong to God, how can we succeed in life once you, you belong to God if you start to veer away from God? If you get away from the game plan, how are you going to win the game? If you get away from the, the sound business plan, if you're, if you're into business, how are you going to make profit year over year if you leave the, the, the business plan and start spending money like crazy and throwing caution to the wind and wisdom? You lose. Same here. There was a battle that was about to be fought. And the Lord told Ahaz, the only way you're going to win this battle, though, is by stand, standing firm in your faith. Right, Mamo? Okay, so watch this. Verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. All right, let me pause there for a moment as well and just review. Right here, when it says house of David, that's the people of Judah. Okay, because Bethlehem, everybody say Bethlehem, Bethlehem. is in Judah. Bethlehem is in the southern part of Israel. The big, this nation, this geographic location. Judah was at the, Judah's near the bottom. And Jerusalem is in Judah. And Judah is a region where Bethlehem was located. And so it's talking about here now, you house of David, all right, where Jerusalem is also located in that same region and area. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him 
Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Okay, now pause there for a moment. This was a word of warning and caution. And this prophecy that Isaiah brings right here has in it different dynamics. Part of the dynamic was for a specific time, which is this battle that was about to come against Jerusalem. And he says, if you stay faithful, you're going to win this battle. You're going to, Jerusalem will be protected. You won't have a problem. And then he says, you're going you're to have a sign. All right. And this is the, the future, futuristic, prophetic aspect or element of the Messiah. Okay. Which is at the heart of what Isaiah is, is talking about here in chapter 7, verse 14. All right. He says in verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we all know that the word Emmanuel means what? God with us. Emmanuel. Now, let's pause for a moment. Let's talk about this verse. The word Alma in Hebrew is the word that is used for a woman who has never slept with a man. Alma. Okay, and that's the Hebrew word that is used when it says that the virgin will be with child. The Alma will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All right. And so we as the church have seen this prophecy in Isaiah as one of the messianic prophecies showing that later on this scripture is to be fulfilled. That the Messiah, God with us, God becoming a man, will, will be born of a virgin. Okay. Now there's some people who have tried to take the awe and the power and the miraculous, the supernatural, out of this verse and said, this verse is not really a messianic prophecy. This verse was simply referring to a young lady who was going to have a child in the normal sense that was going to be the sign for those times. Right? And some are saying that a different word in Hebrew, instead of Alma, but Bethula should be used when referring to a woman who was a virgin. Um, and the word Bethula is used in Genesis chapter 24, verse 6, in re reference to um, another young woman um, called Rebecca, who was a virgin at the time, who was ultimately going to be married to Isaac, the son of Abraham. So the word Bethula referred to the virgin, a woman who had, uh, Rebecca, who had not yet slept or laid, with a, laid down with a man. All right. But the word Alma is used here in Isaiah. And for us, 
the church, the Christian church, all right, we believe that this reference to a young lady who would be a virgin, who would give birth to a son and be called Emmanuel was the prophecy fulfilled that we read about in the New Testament, which is why when we track in our Christian faith and we go backwards and we see the fulfillment and all the prophecies, the angelic visitations, the angelic prophecies, the the dreams, the dreams interpreted, and then Mary, who was a virgin, who gives birth to a, a young boy, right, whose name is Jesus or Yeshua or actually Savior is the the great fulfillment of the great search and the, the seeking of God. Whereas other faiths and other religions in the world claim different deities as their God, right? But there is nothing in their scriptures that connect 66 books like we have from Genesis to Revelation, where the fulfillment dating back to the Old Testament and then coming through a clean sweep all the way through the prophets and then into the New Testament shows the detailed elements of the birth of Messiah, the birth of the Christ, the birth of Jesus. So when we read chapter 7, verse 14, our faith has to be solidified. Okay? Our faith has to be solidified. Now, I've had some conversations with Jewish people, and you can have a nice conversation and not have to argue. I've had conversations with Jewish people about these different portions of Scripture that for us in Old Testament make very clear sense and lend to the validity, okay, and the attestation of who Jesus is. But some would say that they don't interpret these Old Testament Scriptures as being messianic prophecies but they have different meaning for them and so they they lack the the same power that these scriptures possess for us so when we read the lord said and isaiah is speaking to ahaz and he's telling ahaz all of these things will come to pass but you must stand firm in your faith It means that we should not deviate from our faith, should not deviate from our belief. We should not deviate from our trust in God. The moment that we we stop placing the awe factor on God, the moment that we take away the awe factor from our faith, guess what happens, you guys? Everything starts to unravel. Everything starts to fall apart because now we are, we are going to lose the essence 
of who we are. So when we talk about the birth of Christ, Christmas, have we become numb to this, to this awesome, historic event? Or do we hold tightly to the virgin birth of Jesus? Amen. So I was looking into um, a secular historical account of King Ahaz. And it's there in um, Josephus. Josephus was a contemporary um, there in ancient times who wrote um, a lot about the historical accounts of Israel that, that help us align our faith with true-to-fact history where there's dates and there's names and there's genealogies that are consistent with Scripture and consistent with the Bible, which, are, which I believe is very, very important because there's lots of biblical criticism out there that will say that Jesus really didn't exist, right? That much of the Bible is fiction, that... Many accounts of people like Paul also didn't exist. But then when we look into Roman history and follow the accounts of Emperor Nero and the fires there in Rome and, and lots of the historical accounts that are consistent, we start seeing that there's, there are references to this man that fits the mold of who Jesus is, but is not called by name. And those are important, you guys, for our faith. Is that our faith is rooted in these accounts that scientifically can't be proven. So that it requires trust. It requires faith. Right? For us, coming to Christ in an intellectual way, takes a great leap of faith, okay? But we are called to connect these things, our intellect with history, with our experiences and our events, and the Lord who reveals himself to us in a very real and re relevant way, not only in the church, but also through the Holy Spirit as well, Amen. and through nature, so many different ways that God reveals himself to us. So, King, um, King Ahaz, you guys, the, the, the ruler of, of Judah that is mentioned here in chapter 7, actually veers away from the Lord. And he begins to worship other gods. He begins to align himself with foreign nations. And because he starts to connect himself to tangible things that other nations make, like gods that they create and carve. And so he 
starts to be led away or led astray from his faith in God. How is that a reminder for us? And let's say practically speaking, how can we how can we be reminded of the importance or the necessity for us to stay rooted and grounded in our faith and to not be pulled away from our Lord Jesus? Have any of us ever experienced a moment or a time when we did? What was that like, Frank? Lostness. Anybody else? Depressed? Men. Confusion? Anxiety? Wow. Lonely? Wow. Dark. No hope. Hopeless. You guys, that's why the word of God is so important for us. You know, we're not together all the time, are we? Sometimes we're in the middle of the day. All of us who are here in this room could all be in a different place, going through a different situation, experiencing different things. I was mentioning and alluding to our family members who lost a husband and then lost you know, lost her son. I was sit, sitting with my cousin-in-law's mother this morning. And she said, I can't lose hope. I can't lose trust. I have to believe that God has allowed all of this to happen for a reason. Otherwise, I don't even know if I would be able to find the reason to exist. But somewhere deep down inside, she said, somewhere deep down inside, I know that God has a purpose and a reason for it all. Right there, that's coming from a woman who is suffering through great loss and is suffering to the point of having, a, for all intents and purposes, a good reason to want to stop putting her faith in God. But says, I'm not going to. Amen. Man, that, that was powerful. When you're sitting with somebody that ex has just experienced that, sometimes you don't even know what to say. Right? We find ourselves in these different places in life when we stop trusting and believing in God's plan and God's purpose, God's love for us, and the reason why he gave us his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? To choose light, to choose to break from darkness. 
Otherwise, darkness will grip us. Darkness will have its way with us. So God's calling us to remain faithful. God's calling us to stand firm. God's calling us to draw strength from the Son. Emmanuel. God with us. Let's turn to the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So she was an Alma. She was a virgin. When, the, when it means before they came together, another version says before they knew one another. Because to conceive um, is like in the Spanish word conocer. It means to come to know very, very well. So in this instance, they had not come together yet. Except that Mary had become pregnant with child through the Holy Spirit. And so when this takes place and we see this happening and the gospel accounts all pointing to these facts and this story that was a true story, now all of the believers, the Messianic Jews, because there was, at this point, it was, only the people of Israel, the Jews themselves, that were anticipating or, or waiting for Messiah to come. And there were so many different messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that, that if, we, if we actually sat, there's, there's like hundreds of them that are referring to Jesus' birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, so on and so forth. There's, there's hundreds of messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, you guys. And some of the more prominent ones are these that are in Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 30 that we read on Sunday, all right? But what we see right here is that Matthew tells the account of this virgin birth. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord had appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, the lineage that Jesus is tracked through is through Joseph, although Joseph wasn't his biological father. The lineage of Joseph goes all the way through David. If you read the book of 
2 Samuel, you'll see the prophecies there of the, the generations or the promise of the blessing of David to sit on a throne that will never end. And it wasn't Solomon that the scripture was talking about. It was Jesus who would establish the throne forever. You guys remember that messianic prophecy? So the, you guys dive into the word this week. If you're struggling or you don't know what to read in the Bible right now or you're just in between, all right, go to your phone and type in Old Testament prophecies about Messiah or about Jesus or about the Christ. And it's going to populate your phone with all those scriptures, you guys, and go through them. Turn on some Christmas music or classical music. If you got a fireplace, crank that puppy on, make some hot chocolate. Some coffee, some champurado, dive into the word, study the word, fall back in love with God's word, be reminded of, of why you decided to put your trust and your faith and your hope in Jesus in the first place, and, be, and, and, and do not be shaken from the foundation, do not be shaken from a firm belief that Jesus is God. And he was born of a virgin. And it was spoken about hundreds and thousands of years before that he was the, 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 the offspring of Eve that was going to crush the serpent's head. That's a messianic prophecy pointing to the cross and the resurrection. Conquering sin. It's all connected. That's what brings the intellects to the word of God and brings them to their knees is the scripture, is the word of God, right? So let's finish reading this portion and then we'll pray. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Um, you can call him Jesus. If you want to call him Yeshua, you can call him Yeshua, but... If you hear anybody say, you can't call him Jesus, that's not his real name. Trust me, God don't mind. Because it all means the same thing, which is what? Savior. Savior. Because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place. Matthew, he just puts it together cleanly for us. To fulfill. Everybody say fulfill. Play rao in Greek. What the Lord had said through the prophet. Which prophet? Isaiah. Which prophet? Isaiah. Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union. He didn't know her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Right? So that there would be no question, there would be no foul play. Mary knew because she had, she had heard from God and obeyed God that she had to wait in order to lay with Joseph until after Jesus. Then they had other kids. Amen. Praise the Lord. And 
What a blessing it is that we have the scripture to lean on. Right? That you don't have to get into arguments with people. You just stand firmly on God's word. And let the word of God speak. And let the word of God be, be the truth. And like my, my father always taught us, he says, mijo, the word is a lion. And it can defend itself. The word is a lion. And it can defend itself. Amen. Sometimes all we got to do is just read the word. And we know that we're doing God's will in just reading the word of God. So praise the Lord. Um, This Christmas season, take this faith, this power, this tool, this light. Okay, take this and let's carry it with us throughout this whole season. Put a smile on your face. All right. Greet people. Right. And and wish them a Merry Christmas. All right. And remind them uh, that his name is Emmanuel. God with us. If If they say somebody says, God bless you, say yes. And he is with us. And remind him of his name, Emmanuel. Um, and I guarantee you it'll, it'll turn our situations around and others' situations as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. You're such a good God, and, and we praise you, Lord, because you keep us close to you. You keep us focused on your word. Lord Jesus We believe you were born of a virgin and your virginal birth was the fulfillment of ancient scriptures that are a part of our faith and our history in Israel. And we are the new Israel, Lord, and we believe you are here with us and your spirit lives in us as well. And so, Father, we pray that you would strengthen our faith, that we would hold closely, Father God, to what we believe that we won't let it, get wa- let it get watered down by anything, Lord Jesus, but that we remain faithful to you, standing firm on this prophecy that you spoke through, I- through Isaiah to speak to the people of Israel, and that is to remain faithful to you. And if we remain faithful to you, Father God, we shall see your glory. We shall see, Father God, your splendor. We shall see your might. We shall see great things, Father God, in our lives. Help us to tap back into the supernatural. Help us to to never, Father God, get so complacent, Lord Jesus, that where we stop running to you, Father, for our needs. Lord God, help us to turn to you when we're sick and ask for healing not just Tylenol. Help us, Father God, to lean on you, Father God, and to be desperate, Father God, for you to to show up, Father God, and to work and to intervene, Father God, and to interact, Lord Jesus, and to answer our prayers, Lord Jesus. 
It's with great expectancy, Father God, that we have in our hearts, Lord Jesus, to see you, Lord Jesus, still work in this present day and age. That you're the God of miracles even today, Father God. And we believe that, Father God. I believe that, Father God. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm confident in that, Lord Jesus. We are confident in that, Father God, that you're a good God and you're a faithful God, Lord Jesus, and you are still working and you're on the throne. You're seated on the throne today, right now, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we love you, Lord. And we pray all these things in in Jesus' mighty name and everybody said, amen and amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. God is with us. Emmanuel.